check. Uh, what's going on? It's Denzel and Charles. <gasps> not Chet. What? Here, not here again. That nigga stay gone. Oh shit! Oh man, that dude is batting real low, real real low batting average for this year. <laughs> He's been on half the episodes from this year or something. God damn. Oh well, whatever. It's uh, Real Nerd Hours, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nerd shit. It is I, Denzel. And, of course, I'm here with Charles. Yes, sir. This week, we've got lawsuits, uh, 3D anime, I guess, and (laughs) animated versions of live-action television shows. That's what's in store this week for Real Nerd Hours. Yes, sir. And then I'm going to lay in some interstitial music for the first time ever. Oh, dope. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) No way. I'm not not doing that. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the Trailer Park Boys animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, it works a lot better than I thought it would. Okay. I saw Juice Campbell talking about it on the Discord, and I was a fan of Trailer Park Boys, but of course, like everything, after a certain point, it just kind of got old. Yeah. And... It's interesting because the animated show, as I said, works a lot better than I thought it would. And it's animated pretty well. It looks like it's done by the same team that did like Brickleberry and Paradise PD or whatever. The humor is the same. The only unfortunate part is the guy who played Jim Leahy died. So every time he appears in the episode, it's spliced lines. Hmm. They just cut lines together from all the episodes he's been in. And then that's his choice. Yeah. He's like a ghost. And one of the upsetting things is when they do that, he never, it never feels like he's having a conversation. Of course not. It's, it's just like, Oh, I said this thing and here's this long, weird reply like from a season, ghost. Like that season of uh, South park after uh, Isaac Hayes left. Oh yeah. Yeah. When they were like, well, we uh, wrote you into a bunch of these episodes already. So we're just going to use uh, clips of you for the first nine. And then, kill you on like in a really stupid embarrassing way uh about halfway through the season you know i'm not gonna lie i although i'm not pro scientology i have an idea of how i feel about the south park guys at this point yeah and it's not positive yeah i've been off that train for a while yeah dude i don't know they contribute to society in a really shitty way i think yeah I don't know. Uh, I guess in short, because I said it already, uh, I think cynicism is not tight anymore. Yeah. Like when you're an edgy teenager, that shit is cool as fuck. Oh, I don't give a fuck about anything. Everything is stupid. Yeah, 15 years ago, that was the wave. But uh... Yeah, and that's all South Park is, really. Like yeah, They take they, an issue and it's like, we don't give a fuck about it. Why do you? Yeah, but like they also reserve. They also like act like they can go back and forth kind of as whatever necessary contrarian angle they need to take feels like they'll take, even if it contradicts points that they had earlier in the series. And, uh, yeah. I, and I just seems like really with the same characters too. Yeah. Like none of the characters are consistent on any of the lines that they draw. They're just used as devices for talking points. Yeah. That's like, which of, which of these voices do I feel like doing to make this, hand-holdy monologue at the end of this that makes me seem way smarter than I am. I don't know. My roommates watch it, and I can't, I can't even... I don't like listening to it. Like, it's just... 
because it's turn your brain off humor. Yeah. Especially with like their turnaround, like how quickly they can put an episode out. It's like, yeah. Some shit can happen on Monday and Thursday's episode will be about it. it I like, thought that was cool at first. It's I, very, I'm very into that conceptually in terms of like making contemporary, like pop culture related stuff. Like if you have, you've gotten your system to the point where you can just like pump out something very quickly in response to things that happen and like have production value. Cause I will say that it looks really good now. Like yeah, it's still same it's all computer and it looks generated. Great, but yeah. it uh, they're just doing bullshit with it. I don't care for it. Yeah, it's not good anymore. And not to say that it was there were like whole seasons of that show that were yeah, like there were excellent. standout episodes, and there were just there just been fewer and fewer of them. Yeah, absolutely. Into what because they're past seasons the point where they have to produce standout episodes. Yeah, where they have to like try to make a point. Or even say something like fun or intelligent with yeah. their show. They can basically just do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, the show's just on now. It's one of those shows. It's like The Simpsons, it's like Family Guy. It's just on. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to accomplish anything anymore except for have more episodes. Yes, exactly. Anyway, going back to Trailer Park Boys, right. the animated series. The show, even though it's been on for a long time, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're doing it just to do... Well, I guess, no, that's not necessarily fair. I feel like it started to feel like they were doing it just to do it somewhere around like season nine. Mm. One of the first Netflix seasons is either the first one or the second one that came out on Netflix. I was watching it and I was just like, why are you guys even still doing this? Yeah. Like. Everybody's getting older. I understand like this provides probably a pretty decent paycheck for you dudes. Yeah. But at the same time, like I think that the humor is tired and yeah. the antics are becoming less and less because you physically can't do that kind of <laughs> shit anymore because you've been on the air for like fucking 14 years or whatever. Yeah. And the animated series kind of brings new life into the show because some of the stuff I would be really disappointed in in the show is they would reference something that was really fucking cool. It's like, oh, are you actually going to do that? And they would never do it. Yeah. And in the animated series, they can do it. Yeah, exactly. They have the the capability of doing basically whatever they want. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why it works really well as an animated show. Hmm. Otherwise, I mean... If they had just released another live action version without the dude who pl- played uh, Leahy, I would just be like, why are you doing yeah, this? Why are you here? The animated version is a lot better than the live action version, to be honest with you. Not to say that it should have started as an animated but show. But based on where it's gotten to, this is probably the best move for them as far as staying Absolutely. on top of it. It was a good transition, and it's more fun to watch i guess i don't know it's hard to explain i'm enjoying it more yeah trailer park boys is something that i missed entirely i didn't even know it existed until about a year ago i found out about it from a co-worker in 2014 and that's when they went on around when they went on their first hiatus Mm -hmm. because i think they went on like three or four different hiatus hiatus I don't know the plural of hiatus. It might just be hiatuses. <laughs> hiatuses, yeah. I'm sure they they went on, I think, like two or three of them throughout the stretch of the show. But I think one was because they were touring and another was because of like weird contract negotiation stuff. Yeah. And the last one was when they were finally taken off air and brought over to Netflix. John Dunsworth is the man who played Jim Leahy. R.I.P. John Dunsworth. I think it's good that they transition to animation um, and I hope it stays that way for the remainder of the series because that show can go on way longer 
if they yeah, if they lot, keep it a lot more sustainable. I mean, he'll eventually run out of uh, salvageable voice clips. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, he's so Jim. Oh, never mind. I'm not even going to spoil it because it's only been out for a few days, I think, or maybe a week or so. I don't know. I don't think it's been out for that long. But if you're in a trailer park, boys, I'd say it's worth checking out. I had a good time watching it. Speaking of things I had a good time watching, I checked out uh, Ultraman, the Netflix original series. Yeah. Based on the manga, I believe, from 2011. Okay, so it's adapting a specific thing. Yeah. And it takes place 10 years after Ultraman officially retires, and it's fucking tight. It's probably of all the tokusatsu shit that I've seen, like the modern takes, because Gridman uh, or SSSS Gridman, mm. it's, I mean, it's cool, but it's not that good. It's very Monster of the Week. There's like kind of an overarching story, but it's not syndicated. It's not, gotcha. uh, it's not a through, through line yeah. from episode one to episode 12 or 13 or whatever. Whereas this show, Every episode moves along the plot, even though it does have elements of Monster of the Week. It's very much so. This is a story we're telling, and this is how we do it. It offers the violence, the level of violence that I'm looking for in this kind of show. And for the first time watching a CG 3D show, I didn't feel cheated by the CG. Okay. Because... When they're doing the fight scenes, they're all pretty well choreographed, and it looks like they've mo-capped a lot of stuff like in between the movements. Yeah. So if somebody's running, it looks like they're running, and it doesn't look like somebody just rigged it, and then yeah. like just they let their fucking kid come into the office <laughs> and rig it themselves or whatever, and animate the movements. It looks like an actual thing that somebody worked on. That's like, cool. And that you know, works with the premise yeah and like the style of it formerly just being a dude in a suit and miniatures yeah dude that was uh, i love some ultraman like i haven't seen a lot of it but it's super fun like conceptually yeah i'm a big fan of those tokusatsu shows yeah though oh god i could go on forever but (laughs) let me just say ultraman the story is very i mean i don't want to say it's very good one of the biggest criticisms i have for myself recently is while i was watching that show it got so close to telling a story like american media does yeah and i was just like oh shit this is almost exactly like what i like Mm. like good storytelling in anime type shit yeah which was like kind of an issue for me because like thinking about it that's kind of a fucked up thought process right yeah, it like, really generalizes an entire medium yeah it and it's also me saying like oh i want this thing to be like the thing that i like already yeah. which i mean goddamn american storytelling I feel like it's concise in a way that's yeah. good. I can enumerate the problems that I have with the storytelling in anime because somebody will say something and the response will be completely off the fucking rails. Yeah. And there are light touches of that in this show. Like there's this dude who's like a psycho and the teenage son of Ultraman is involved with the space uh, patrol or whatever they're called science patrol. Mm. And, He's treating the teenager like shit because he's like, oh, you want to be Ultraman? You can't be Ultraman. I'm Ultraman. And it got into this real like weird thing where this grown man was having an argument with a teenager over whether or not like 
they could fly or something like that. And I was just like, this would be actually really sick if this was a commentary on anime in itself where you have actual grown adult characters treating teenagers like equals and not treating them like they're fucking scared teenagers. And one of the lessons that comes out of this series, and I don't think this is a big spoiler, is that maybe when you have to do violence, don't hesitate. And I was just like, hey, wait, hold on. (laughs) This is not a good lesson to take away from this because the, the overarching theme of the main character Shinjiro's story arc is like, oh, I'm a scared kid and I don't want to kill things because I think that's wrong. Yeah. And hesitation, I hesitate because I don't feel comfortable with killing. Yeah. And by the end of the series, boy, oh boy, does he just turn around on that left or right? Yeah, and he by the end of the show, he's just like, I used to hesitate when this would happen, but I won't hesitate any longer. And it's like, wait, hold on. No, like there might be some like good in hesitating, right? You're not going after all murderers, I guess, or maybe they do only go after murderers. And that's something that I missed in the story. But I really enjoyed that shit. There's a there's definitely violence. I love the violence in it. The story it's pretty pretty close to American storytelling, which I fuck with. <laughs> There's still like anime tropes in there, like the mean little kid who's there who has to protect somebody he loves or whatever. Like I don't like that. Yeah. But there are elements in there that come across as God irony, I guess I would say. This is they're presenting it in a way that doesn't have any self awareness. But if it did have self awareness, it, yeah. it would just be like hilarious irony. But it's not. It's I, the animation's pretty solid. I never was really concerned about like how gross it looked at any point. But um, yeah, I recommend it one hundred percent. Love that shit. I'm definitely gonna check it out. It's on my list. I might watch some of it tonight. Oh, worth it worth it i there are a lot of weird twists in that story yeah. that i don't really appreciate it's like it's like they're trying to throw curveballs every few minutes in the latter half of that series and it's like okay all right i don't care yeah yeah but the first i want to say the first five episodes are really tight really good uh tight as in well put together and straightforward i guess mm. tight as in like a tiger yeah versus tight as in cool gotcha Uh, so those first five are pretty dope uh six through i want to say 10 kind of loose feeling yeah seems like somebody was just throwing darts at a board (laughs) trying to fit in more story elements and then the last the last episode is fucking sick love that shit it's so weird how netflix has that specific problem and it just stretches across every genre of their like original series is that they have this we like they have too many episodes and whoever they have writing for whatever reason doesn't seem to be able to write for their story to work in that many episodes so there's either like a dip or it just like falls down and never recovers i mean we talked about it with the mcu stuff and i noticed it was like a few of their dramas that i've checked out where it's like you didn't need 12 episodes you needed maybe seven episodes yeah like that's okay (laughs) just negotiate it for us like you know what you pitched 
negotiate for fewer episodes because you know you can tell us a concise story. Like that's one of the things that uh, I feel like BBC produced series do really well. Those strong ass four to six episodes. Yeah, it's like dude. you get six episodes, and you're it's gonna be well contained, and everything you want is gonna be everything you like come to this with is gonna be handled in this six episode stretch and then we're gone. And if we, you get more of it, you get more of it. But if not, you, at least you got a thing that is whole. And I just feel like a lot of the Netflix series, uh, they're so committed to X amount of episodes that, uh, they won't, they just like, expect that from all of the creatives that they go like either reach out to where I get pitched to them. I'm like, cool. That's a cool idea. Can you write 12 episodes about it? I'm like, maybe like, cool. Go for it. I think that it's important to also note that yes, Netflix has a tremendous problem with anything spanning 13 episodes, but maybe, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. I heard a story recently about the writers guild of America and how they're in like a union dispute right now with their agencies. Oh word. Yeah, dude. Uh, long story short, oh god, long story long. This is actually a fucking fascinating story and part of the reason why capitalism is bad. Um, <laughs> so in Hollywood, you have the Writers Guild of America. Yeah. And there are also other guilds, Screen Actors Guild, Producers Guild, Directors Guild, I want to say. I don't know if directors have a guild, but I'm pretty sure they do. But anyway, each one has to work with agencies in order to get representation from studios because it's supposed to help smooth over the process. What's been happening recently, or not even really recently, but I think for the last 20 years or so, is slowly agencies are starting to work with studios. So what's happening is... They're counter-negotiating with the writers on behalf of the studios. So they represent both the studio and the writers. And that's in terms of uh, what I can remember from the podcast that I heard about this on is it's a – an illegal conflict of interest. Yeah. You because can. you can't have one party negotiating on behalf of two conflicting parties. Yeah. It'd be like if you were getting divorced and you both have the same lawyer. Yeah. Some things can't and won't ever get made. So agencies try to sell packages to studios. So you have to have a specific writer. Yeah. It's like it's like a deck build yeah. for Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever. You want the best five cards in your hand. Yeah. So it's director, producer, writer, actors, and they want to sell this package to the studio so they can get like an X amount from the movie itself. And because of that... If they can't put together a package, it might be the illest project in the world. It's not going to get done. Yeah. And that shit is super fascinating to me. But the largest problem that that presents is that sometimes writers get fucked into working an entire year on a 13 episode season. So rather than just writing it for however long it takes to write it, like six months or whatever, and then getting a new job, I don't contracted for this however long the contract was negotiated for. So you're like, so that that's that sounds real shitty. Because yeah. you can't work on other projects. Like legally you can't work on other projects. You're uh you can't even like shop other things around because you know you, you won't be able to leave to work on it until this this one that the union that was supposed to protect you <laughs> yes. from that exact thing has uh kind of trapped you into. Yeah, it sounds super shitty. 
Yeah, it is. And I think that might be part of the problem. I don't know. This is just me guessing in the dark. But like, if you're writing 13 episodes and you're stuck on it for an entire calendar fucking year, there's no way. Like, if you're in a room with 12 other people, yeah, are you fucking... What more could you add into an episode, right? Yeah. Like, I imagine even if like you wanted to like you could fill all 13 episodes like if you're working in television to the point where like uh they are getting you they're putting you into one of these teams you probably got enough people in that room who could write a solid 13 episodes but probably knock it out in like three or four months yes but then what the fuck do they do for eight months like (laughs) yeah so then you end up just micromanaging this anytime you spend a press on a, too much time on a project without releasing it and you're just like micromanaging the shit out of it and you're just like oh i could maybe i could do this maybe i could do this. you don't actually have any improvements you're just bored and you're just that's one of the things that happens at studios like if you work in vfx you'll have heard of this where clients will go and look at frames of shots zoom into 400 percent or whatever yeah. and say i need you to fix this grouping of five pixels here and if you zoom out you can't tell you can't see it because yeah. you know force for the trees or whatever and it's something like that but with writing yeah. i'm sure that and i think this is how it works in hollywood uh because the type of people who work there and like the type of people that I've interacted with, but like having the desire to just have your name on a project or make your mark on a project. Yeah. So you have to have your input taken and then taken seriously on top of that. Yeah. It's, uh, ghastly. So if you've got a 13 episode season written in like, I don't know, five weeks by a bunch of really talented writers and you're the producer and you're like, no, well, shit, we have a whole year. Go, go revisit episode five. Why yeah. is he saying this instead of that? Why isn't he, like, doing 10 push-ups instead of 15? Yeah. Like, that that sort of thing. It's really micromanaging scripts and stuff, I bet, is a huge yeah, it's probably problem. probably fucking miserable. Yeah. Which is why I feel like so many people, especially now, are, like, doing independent shit and then not pitching it until it's finished you're like can you just distribute this instead yeah but that also presents like a big a wider problem too because if you need people who are uh union if you need union actors and like non if you need like gaffers or whatever yeah there's a lot of jobs that you depending on where you're filming you can't get unless or like depending on what system you're working in you can't straight up can't hire people for that because there is a union there's you mean uh, I, I think I've talked about it on the show before. I know Chet's talked about it. There's a music union in San Diego, and there are jobs that, because I'm not a member of the union, I just can't get. There are musical jobs that I just am ineligible for that people that I know who have been trying to like get musicians can't because of what they're working through, like the whatever organization they're working through. Um, they can't hire non-union musicians. Yeah, like it doesn't matter what you want to do. It doesn't matter how simple the music is. You could have; they're legally prohibited from handing the music out of their hand into my hand because I'm not a member of this union. And it's even it's an even bigger deal, I imagine, in 
the film and television industry. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think PAs count. There's like a lower end to all the jobs in film where you don't have to be union. You don't qualify to be in the union. Yeah. And like also you don't want to really be paying dues if you're making fucking $14 an hour. Yeah, it's not really worth it. Yeah, exactly. So if you, let's say for instance, uh, you want to have like, a union actor on your set like the rules vary a little bit to where you can have non-union people on your set but you have to pay them at scale or something like that yeah but if you want writers that are in the union you have to have union writers but because you've hired union writers they can only write for union directors and producers and then you have to have like union workers on the set so gaffers and best boys a lot of overlap yeah so it's i mean in in theory, all that stuff is set up to protect actors, yeah. right? Because you don't want somebody to come in and be like, okay, well, I've got this fucking gaffer over here who makes $30 an hour, but he's union. I can just pay some fucking asshole off the street 10 bucks an hour to do it. Yeah. So it's I, it's designed to protect people from stuff like that, but it's not designed to protect themselves from themselves. <laughs> yeah. So you have agencies and stuff fucking counterbidding your own employees yeah. or your own representatives, the people who they represent. Yeah. I don't know. The, yeah. Well, let's try for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a whole mess. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that goes because the, uh, the last big shakeup with uh, the Writers Guild um, is the reason we have reality television now. So, and shitloads of it. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, uh, because it's super cheap and people love that shit. Also, weirdly responsible for the success of Breaking Bad. Yes, because that show was about to get fucking canceled. Yeah, that's a weird. That was a weird happenstance situation. Where it's yeah, like, I no mean, hold watching. on. Oh no, because it was released during the strike. Yeah, right? so there was nothing but and like they were like they had just a handful of episodes because it wasn't its initial run. Like it's it didn't hadn't tested super well, but like well enough to still go to uh, screen and they're like well now there's nothing but survivor and american idol on television so <laughs> and just different it, like variations on that theme but there's this drama going on so uh what the fuck's going on over there and now but it's like oh well there's only eight episodes of it but people are fucking hooked now and then the writer strike ends and now they can start pumping them out again but like now these people are suddenly like secure in their jobs so now they can stretch out a little bit yeah that's the opposite of what happened with Better Off Ted. Yeah. Oh that was, show was really fucking funny, oh, man. Oh, man. That was such a great show. I was yeah. real upset when that ended. So if I recall correctly, those people were all like that entire show was non-union with the exception of some of the actors. I think a few of the actors were because I remember it being like there were these are all like relative unknowns. Yeah. But there were, I think, like uh, Portia de Rossi was yeah, on Portia it. Portia de Rossi. Another one of the like, like a dude side in commercials a lot. Yeah, it was another one side, and they had like there's a few, yeah it was a few like minor characters who were who had been like in commercials or done a lot enough other like smaller TV roles that they had uh, they became union actors. But like I know like the lead guy wasn't um, some of the other to like lead love interests. She wasn't either, but um, it was wild because that show had a very strong first season yes. and a relative like a pretty strong second season but the writer strike happened while it was in production 
So it kind of lost steam about halfway through the second season and then ended basically on a cliffhanger. It was, and it was like, fuck, dude, this show's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But it was before things like a streaming service picking up your shit to save it. Like it was, it was too yeah. early. Yeah. Way too early. I mean, community pulled it off like a year or two later. With, I mean, but like they, do they pull it off? It just happened. <laughs> well, so the thing is with that show, it's, I think they didn't even really, they weren't really on the verge of losing that much. I think Dan Harmon walked away at some yeah, point. Yeah, Dan Harmon left, and they did one more season, I think, on NBC yeah. without him. And then, like... And then they were like... Everybody still wanted to do the show, but the studio was canceling it. Yeah, and so was it Yahoo picked it up? Um, yeah, Yahoo picked it up briefly, and then it went back on the CW or something like that. Yeah, another, another network picked it up. Yeah. I was like, who is this for? I didn't... I watched the season after uh donald glover left oh i stopped watching it basically uh i whew, this was what oh nine 2010 maybe i was living in la for a little bit when it first started and i basically stopped as soon as i left la yeah it was yeah. a cool show though it yeah was, it was real there solid were some really fucking good episodes yeah uh and those are the episodes that i watched but most of the other episodes, I was kind of just tap it on because the show, it's not to say that it was bad. It just held in the middle for me. Yeah, that's fair. There, the, it def- definitely had its peaks. It never had valleys, but definitely had peaks. Yeah, and there were, it was very character driven. And so as long as the characters were given good situations, then the episode as a whole was like and that was, that's why like a lot of the like the paintball episode and uh, even like like the all the different like themed episodes if, as long as there was like a theme that you could really let those characters loose into it worked really well and then when there was like they did have some like thing to hold up the uh, the entire thing the entire episode it was like you get good comedy but the episode as a whole is really forgettable yeah and uh, now the Russos, who directed the Payball episode, a bunch of other standout episodes of Community, are um, about to release the most anticipated <laughs> superhero film. They dropped another trailer today, and I got not gonna lie, it looks pretty good. Okay, they dropped oh, one no. more. They dropped one more trailer. All right, I'm gonna pause this, and we're gonna watch that fucking, or I'm gonna watch this All trailer right. on my cell phone. All right, I just watched the trailer. Uh, don't care (laughs) not to say that like i'm not enthused about watching the final chapter of this fucking series because it has been going on for a very very long time an unprecedented decade of interconnected yes and we just watched through most of those we still have two more to go and uh, i'm excited to see how it rounds out certainly but that trailer maybe it's just me trailers just some trailers do it for me others don't this is this one didn't do anything yeah, for me. Fair enough. I I don't even care. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I'm going to go watch it. Probably not on opening weekend. Yeah, I'll probably catch it a couple of days later. But I don't know, man. Looks all right. It'll be cool to see it uh, be done. And so I want to keep seeing these... Uh, stupid posts on a reddit all the goddamn time because it'll be out and we don't have to hear all these theories anymore i theorize that <laughs> this is gonna spin out and pepper pot should become iron woman 
You're going to make her Ironheart because Riri Williams isn't born yet? Um, actually, Pepper Potts was a rescue, and she had a non-lethal Stark Tech suit. Oh, okay. There were some, uh, some set photos, maybe, that showed her in a similar rig to the one that Robert Downey Jr. wears around just his shoulders now because... Okay. Why not? And uh, there's been some rescue-related theories there but that's more like a we saw some stuff and here's maybe the pathway and it's less uh just a bunch of assholes talking about time travel so i need to i need to posit this because this is of course what i think about now whenever has a comic book movie actually done really cool deep cut shit because what Howard the Duck appeared at the end of one of them. I mean, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Not deep cut as in like uh, Easter eggs or whatever, but deep cut as in Actually, oh, he's a character from the comic book who's a star in this movie now. Fucking never. Yeah. So okay. So they're gonna put what? They're not gonna call her rescue in the movie. Yeah. It's just gonna be Pepper Potts and Iron Armor. Yeah, and she's not going to be back as a rescue like even if she gets the suit i doubt we're gonna see gwyneth paltrow keep returning to this particular well yeah so. she's got goop that she sells <laughs> i yeah i don't know i just think that comic book films as a whole are they're fine or superhero movies i should say not necessarily all comic books because comic books are not created equal um I just think it's boring at this point. Like, it, it, what are you? The stakes are too high. They're always too high. Yeah. Everything, everything got 9-11. Even the universe. The universe has <laughs> got 9-11. The, the stakes. Uh, God, what happened to just like movies like Spider-Man Homecoming where the stakes were very medium? Yeah, let's just. Where the like, story matters it between can be the characters. to the characters. Yeah. And because we give a shit about the characters, it makes it important to the viewers. We don't have to destroy just yeah. a bunch of buildings or... I mean, that's not even going to play in the future, I don't think, for younger generations who were no, born I, after I would, 9-11. I would imagine the people, like the teen, like teenagers who are watching these films now, who are all post-9-11 uh, kids, don't have like the frame of reference anymore and people who are our age are like we we had to see it so much yeah right after because like we did a media did a weird thing where they just aggressively turned away from anything they could possibly be <laughs> seen for like three or four years and then we were like hey remember that thing that just happened that we're still recovering from and we started a bunch of shit over what if that were in every movie? Yeah. <laughs> what if every action movie, we just 9-11 in a different city? Yeah. Uh, the Transformers franchise just keeps picking Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking, uh, I just watched Rampage. Yep. And they also 9-11 Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the writers have against the city of Chicago, but. <laughs> uh, it's probably just very cheap to film there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they 9-11 Gotham, it was just Chicago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the biggest problem because it's lazy shorthand for writers. How the fuck are you so lazy? The movies are like two fucking hours now. So you have the time to like explain why these stakes matter to the characters rather than using lazy shorthand. And this is probably something that I had discovered after watching the anthology series Love, Death and Robots. Yeah. But like quick shorthand. All right. Rape. Okay, you automatically know how this character yeah. should feel about that. Uh, murder, your family's murdered. You automatically should know how this character feels about that. Nine eleven, 
you remember how you felt on 9-11, right? I was like, vaguely. <laughs> I was 12 years old, dog. I was 11 years old. What do you want me to tell I've you? I've experienced way more personal shit that matters to me that I know other people can relate to that I don't need uh, a death or wanton destruction to get people interested in telling them about it and yeah. having them care about what I'm telling them. And I don't have the greatest access to visual media that's ever existed in the history of you know, <laughs> uh, humans and our storytelling. I just have my voice. <laughs> you have everything that we've ever invented to use to convey this. And you are keep running and turning to the same three or four things. Yeah. And it's like, come on, dog, like we can do more than this. Family's dead. Ooh. Oh God. I can imagine how that feels. It's like my family's alive and it's way worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell this entire group of people were raped. You know how each and every one of them should feel about that because rape is bad. Do you remember nine 11? Do you remember seeing a Brown person put those two together? This is how you should feel. Do you remember Doug Funny's neighbor? <laughs> what was that guy's name? Oh, I can't remember. He was blue. And he, he was, he was purple. And Skeeter was his Skeeter friend. Was, yeah, Skeeter was blue. But the his neighbor. Uh, what was Hello, fucking, Douglas. Yeah, what the fuck was that dude's name? That's the real Thanos. <laughs> he's got the infinity gauntlet. And he's made pork chop disappear. Do you remember how you feel now? Not this, pork chop. His thing was going to be so empty. <laughs> And he made Judy disappear, but good. She was mean. Yeah, Judy was a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just think the immediacy of the stakes having to get larger and larger and larger. And where do you fucking larger. go? We've got. It's going to be a multiverse next. Because they've made it clear that they have no intention of stopping the MCU. But you've. You're, and the Fox and Disney merger came yeah. up recently. But it's like, what do you do when. The culmination of what you've retroactively decided is a saga threatened literally half the known universe, like half the universe, period. Like you jumped the fucking, you jumped out the gate too hard. <laughs> yeah. You, you ramped it up to 11 and you still had way more in the tank. Yeah. You fucked up. So now it's like, all right, so we do we do smaller personal stories. Like, yeah, you could have been doing that shit. You've had 10 years. Yeah. And your most successful stories were smaller personal ones but even like winter soldier has to destroy shield for it to <laughs> yeah you got a 9-11 a fictional city yeah. or like fictional government you create city. a building in our actual nation's capital and then destroy it right after <laughs> like the one that's in foggy bottom like we've known about it for 90 minutes and now it's gone <laughs> it's uh, shitty yeah but next up it's going to be a multiverse. Well, what they're probably going to do, if I had to guess, and they're not going to do anything cool because they never fucking do. Yep. Like, for instance, here's a good example. Remember when everybody heard Jubilee was going to be in X-Men Days of Future Past? <laughs> yes. And she just didn't do anything. Do God damn. We don't see her use her powers. Nope. The one scene we, she does use her powers is a throwaway bullshit scene anyway. But it got cut from the film. Yep. <laughs> it's just you cast this really promising young actress as a character that the people watching these films grew up seeing on the X-Men animated series. And then you don't do anything. You put her in like these honestly pretty solid, like those, uh, Xavier school, like ad commercials. Those were pretty fun. Like yeah. just conceptually, like it said in the nineties or like in the eighties, like do a thing with that. And then they, she's in two scenes and that's it. Yep. And the rest of that movie was hot trash. It really was, too. 
and they teased what Robin's uniform and Batman versus Superman, Jason Todd's uniform, yeah. and you knew everybody knew they weren't going to do shit with that. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely like in the Nightwing movie. They nothing's happening with Nightwing. DC put me in charge. DC put me in charge, and I will bang out some fucking dope ass movies for you. I mean, I'll be I'll be the Russos of the DC universe. <laughs> I think now that they're letting uh, other voices in, it's start, it's turned around. Well, because I liked Aquaman a lot. It it Aquaman is turning around, very- but the thing is, like Aquaman, the the movie as a whole uh, was very mediocre. It's very middle of the road, but it had some dope parts, like the one with the the trench creatures coming yes. up out of the ocean. That part was really cool. Looks really good. It looked like the ocean was like you were looking into a fucking aquarium as yeah. you were diving down. Like that was a really cool shot, and like that portion of the film was really cool. There were elements in there that were like really rad, but like as a whole, it was there's a lot of explain like telling and not showing. Um, and yeah, shout out to Amber Heard, the fucking the expo- living, exposition machine. Yep, <laughs> but. Uh, Rotary reviews for Shazam are pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that. that and they hired a horror director. Like, David F. Sandberg is a horror director. He, oh, is he? He directed uh, Annabelle. Okay. Um, he did a few other recent ones, but uh, he's traditionally a horror director that they hired for uh, Superhero Big. Yes. And it seems like his approach to, like, the necessary approach to suspension of disbelief that makes horror movies good also applies to superhero movies, but like in a different way. And so his, I would imagine his like willingness, to like kind of embrace some stuff in a way that's, that still feels genuine. Well, especially a character like Shazam. And that's a good segue into a thing that I was researching recently. Oh, go on. So, uh, there was, a lot of people might not know this, but because DC owns Shazam, Captain Marvel, he's just he's legally just Shazam now. Uh, there was a whole thirteen year long. Uh, there were two separate, really long <laughs> lawsuits uh, regarding the Captain Marvel Shazam character. Uh, the more recent one that is the most apparent right now because Marvel just put out Captain Marvel a month ago, and Captain and Shazam opens this week. Uh, where because DC wasn't using the character twice, man, I gotta get, maybe we should do, go from the beginning. So, oh, so, let's grab the time stone and turn back time. <laughs> Whoop, doop, 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 doop. So, Superman, first superhero, really. Uh, but as and superhero, like Superman really took off in 38 when he oh, debuted because he couldn't fly back then, sure couldn't. Uh, him flying and kryptonite were invented for the radio serial. Um, him flying was a better way for him to get around and kryptonite was invented so that the voice actor for Superman could take a day off. <laughs> really? Yeah, they straight up like, because the only character who had to be in every episode in the Superman radio serials were every day. Oh, really? They Yeah, the radio play was, was I think, at least five days a week. But the only character who had to be in every scene was Superman. So his voice actor couldn't take any time off and he was getting like worn out from doing it every day mm-hmm. and like also doing his other radio stuff. But so they invented kryptonite so that they would have an excuse for Superman to be incapacitated and not be active in the scenes. 
And then they rolled it into the comics uh, a little while later. But Superman hits hits the ground running and leaps. Again, that's because he can't fly. Cannot fly yet. And uh, leaps into the hearts and minds of children. And, and over, a tall bu- over a tall building and into the hearts heart of hearts. America. <laughs> and so immediately copycats all over the place. Uh, Fawcett Comics, the, co- the company that created Captain Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel was actually their second Superman ripoff. Their first one got sued into oblivion. Uh, <laughs> well, National Comics, which is what DC was before they took on Detective Comics and then shortened it to DC, uh, sued them and another stu- another publisher. And what they decided to do was just stop publishing the character. They're like, cool, you got it, we're out. And then they created Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel, a lot of the stuff we got uh, in Superman was in Captain Marvel first, it turns out. Oh. Uh, the ability to fly, Shazam had it first. Um, having a bald scientist supervillain, Shazam had it first. He's the, from what I can tell, from... The just the I even watched all the trailers for Shazam because I want to be surprised by it. Uh, but it looks like Dr. Savannah is Dr. Husqvarna. <laughs> he sells motorcycles. <laughs> but he's the primary villain and he was the like original mad scientist supervillain uh, that they later adapted for Lex Luthor. He had an extended family of other like superpowered beings and actually Otto Bender was one of the creators of Captain Marvel. After, oh, is that like uh, different from blood bending where you can bend the iron in automobiles? <laughs> All right, keep going. I'm sorry. Bad joke time over here. He uh, created Mary Marvel, uh, Billy Batson's sister, and also ended up co-creating Supergirl uh, a couple years later. But, and so this was Fawcett Comics, yeah, right? Yeah, so Fawcett Comics is... Doing all, most of the silly shit from the golden age, Captain Marvel was doing out the gate. Like it was just, hey, we've got this dude. Uh, he's super strong. He's bulletproof, and he's real fast. And he got lightning powers. Maybe uh, he's just gonna do fun shit all the time. And then all the golden age became that, and Captain Marvel kind of got left behind. But after uh, three years of Captain Marvel being on the shelves, he was outselling Superman. Oh, so. Uh, National was like get because they'd been just they'd already Foss had already been sued for the same thing uh, for like creating a Superman ripoff but Captain Marvel was very distinct I mean Superman's an alien who's got his set of powers Captain Marvel is a child who says a magic word who becomes an adult and has different powers he also you know he's got super strength he's invulnerable but that's kind of where the similarities end and uh, they so National sues over Captain Marvel and the same judge who had presided over the first case with their other character. I think it was master man or something. It was either master man or wonder man. Uh, those were two characters that got uh, sued and can't stop publishing at the same time. I can't remember which one uh, Fawcett comics had, but he had presided over that case. So he's like, Hey, this like, this has already been an issue, but it's clear that there is some distinction. So if you're going to make, if national, if you're going to make this claim, you've got to find every example of you did this and then they did this. They did the same thing and it ended up getting tied up 
because uh, it went up to appeals court and they're like, well, we can send it back to the lower courts. But if we do that, you're gonna have to bring all this evidence. So it took 13 years. Three zero. One, 13, one oh, three. okay. Sorry, I'm a little congested. It took 13 years. And uh, it went all the way up to uh, 1951. Uh, it started in 48, went to 51. So at this point, the characters have both been, they're both doing things, but comics are on decline for the first time since superheroes became a thing, which is a sign that every 10 years, this shit goes away. (laughs) (laughs) It happened the first time around. It happened again in the 70s, happening again in the 90s. It's happening right now. (laughs) So get ready for uh, that other shoe to drop, nerds. Um, But by this point, National is now DC, like during, like over the course of this. They're now DC and comics are on the decline. So now it's like, we got to figure this shit out or both of us are going to like, you know, fall out. And they got it sorted and Captain Marvel, Fawcett stops publishing Captain Marvel. So they have to pay the legal fees of DC and stop publishing the character. Jesus. And this is a 13 year case. So it's huge. They, 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 they lost. They lost. Hard. They still lost. Holy so shit. it's, they had to pay out $400,000 in 1950s money and Jeez. stop publishing this character that's been making bank for them. 400000 400K. God. In mid century money. And less than 10 years later, the Silver Age starts. We get kind of this resurgence of superheroes in the 60s. Marvel comes onto the scene, they're doing their thing. But Captain Marvel, the character, is. No one can publish it. Fawcett's not allowed. DC doesn't own them yet. So that's when we get Marvel Comics' Captain Marvel. Because no one's using the name, and it's literally the name of our company, so Captain Marvel. About five years later, DC acquires Fawcett Comics and all of their, everything they have the rights to, and decides to immediately reintroduce Captain Marvel as a character. And it doesn't go well. Because Captain Marvel didn't really get the chance to grow up or like develop through the Golden Age and Silver Age, like all these other characters did. And so they were just like, well, we're just going to drop Captain Marvel as he was in the fucking 40s and 50s into the late 60s, early 70s and see how it works. And audiences didn't really connect because they didn't really know how to handle. They were still kind of figuring out the balance. Like, is he a little boy who swaps places with this adult man. And now like, are they two separate entities? Is it Billy Batson's brain in this, in the body of this adult adult man man with superpowers? So it kind of a bunch of the attempts to bring Captain Marvel back. Don't really take off. And then the nineties, it works out for a little, for at least a little bit. And now we, but then to this point, Marvel is on their third person to be calling themselves Captain Marvel. Uh, And they file suit. Like we've had this character for since the sixties and it is deeply tied to our brand because it's the same name as our company's name. So we're doing like, we're doing this. We've had this character it's been in use for longer than DC has been using the character. And that ends up getting stretched out for over a decade. It doesn't get resolved until I think like the early 2000s when, and then DC decides to stop 
using Captain Marvel again. They kind of retire the character. Billy goes through this whole thing. He, instead of getting his powers from Shazam, he replaces the wizard and is just called Shazam. And then they did a brief story where Freddie Freeman, Captain Marvel Jr., uh, takes like the full position, but st- kind of starts to call himself Shazam. And that gets dropped pretty quickly because rebirth happens. Yikes. And at that point, DC's full on is like, we're not using the Captain Marvel name anymore. It's not worth this back and forth. We're just going to go with Shazam. We're going to let those rights lapse. Like it doesn't matter. Marvel can have them. And fast forward to almost a decade later. And we've got Captain Marvel and Shazam coming out within three weeks of each other. Fucking wild, bro. And they are both. I mean, I haven't seen Shazam yet, but Captain Marvel was fun. If average. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to see that soon. Actually, it's enjoyable. There's uh tonal stuff. I will say is probably like the biggest thing for me was That's like what I've heard the most. Of. Yeah. I was like, what does this movie want to be? It's got some cool moments in it. And I, I do think that like a lot of the acting is pretty solid. Brie Larson's performance goes back and forth though. Cause like what, who is she as a person? I think maybe she was getting conflicting direction. Okay. She thinks that she's one thing and it turns out to be false. And I think they, she, the way she's being directed is like, you're got, you're kind of questioning what your actual motives are. Yeah. And, but not in a way that's like effective. Okay. Cause Brie Larson's a very solid actress, but I just don't know if she's been given effective directions in this particular, like in how to approach this particular idea. And so when she gets character interactions, they're great. Her stuff with Sam Jackson's fury is really good. When she's with Maria Ram- uh, Rambo towards the end, like that stuff's really good. Her interactions with another character that's introduced in the film, very solid. But there are other times where you just don't, it seems like she's not sure what she's supposed to be doing. And then the tone kind of like dips and you're like, I don't know what she's doing with her performance right now, but there's enough other stuff going on that you just kind of like, okay. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see her in end game with different directors. Okay. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, the story of Shazam formerly captain marvel is uh weird and basically all just just all lawsuits it's just that's the yeah 20 years of his existence have been tied up in who can use this character in what that's interesting that reminds me of like the whole panied costume thing from dc like remember when superman and batman and all those other guys had panties on? oh yeah the trunks the briefs yeah now they no longer have panties because it was like somebody's original design that they didn't want to pay out or something like that. I do vaguely remember. I'll have to take a look at that. But yeah, effectively what it was, if I rec- remember correctly, is, is there was some th- like lawsuit they had lost. And- yeah, this was, I want to say in the late two thousands where, and this is part of the impetus of the new 52. Yeah. Because what ended up happening is like they got sued effectively because they were using designs from somebody else and they didn't secure the rights for the designs for these characters from these people. Yeah. So everybody who had trunks on with their superhero outfits was just you have to nix it. And that's why you don't see anybody 
with the trunks on anymore. It's just like weird mannequin outfits. And Superman just got the trunks back. That's oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. About a year ago. Maybe they worked it out. Maybe. I mean, it worked better for some heroes than others. I think uh, Batman looks better without the black briefs. Though he's also recently started wearing briefs again. Yeah, it, you know, because he just turned eighty, so they were like, "We gotta, we gotta harken back to the yeah one thousand issues." Did you read issue one thousand? No, I'm about six issues behind on Batman. Oh, is it any good? That's I really like what Tom King's doing. Um, I was a little put off by how the wedding storyline got what seemed to be resolved but it turns out it's still ongoing because i like dropped the book for like a month or two and i picked it back up and i'm like oh when Catwoman and him got married when they didn't is is a oh it seemed really weird and, and uh, unsatisfying but he, the way it's being done like is really good uh i really i'm really into tom king as a writer right now he wrote the really really interesting uh vision series about two years ago for marvel where he builds a family for himself and it goes bad. Okay. Okay. He writes very well and I'm really digging the art. Uh, They, the, I I wish I could remember the artist. I could look it up, but I'm not going to, Uh, you can look it up yourself. He's been, he's been writing Batman since uh, rebirth. They've been writing and writing and drawing this one creative team, Tom King and the guy he has doing art have been working on Batman since rebirth. Okay. It's been really solid. He, that artist recently did some issues with justice league that I read and it's justice league is overall pretty solid right now, but it's the best looking issues of that series so far. have been the ones that he's drawn. He, I don't know what it is that I like about his style, but there's something about it. Like is really engaging. Okay. That's dope. I'll have to check it out because I stopped reading. I think the last issue that I read was when he proposed when Batman proposed yeah. the Catwoman, And I was just like, Oh, that's, interesting i guess i'm done reading this now (laughs) now they they spend a good amount of issues like kind of working through what that means for them like for bruce wayne and selena kyle in particular uh bruce wayne and selena kyle weren't going to be married but batman and catwoman were it's weird stupid but uh they're also like just kind of bruce bringing her more into his life and kind of explaining some shit and there's like this interstitial story that's like the war of jokes and riddles. And it's the only good Joker story that I've read in probably a decade. Yeah. And yeah. it's everybody knows my feelings on the Joker yeah. at this point. And I feel very similarly. Uh, but the, the war of jokes and riddles is a very solid and the Joker is mostly a Riddler story that the Joker is just fucking his shit up in i remember the start of this actually the start of the war of jokes and riddles but anyway it i think it's maybe like six issues but it's done super well and like the art like i said the art is incredible but it gives you a cool perspective it kind of it uses the fact that it takes place in the past to do some interesting things to set up stuff that they're doing now and in a way that uh something like doomsday clock is not doing well <laughs> with the future what they need to do is just redo the continuity again but this time with batman instead of damien coming in like 20 years after he started his career or whatever yeah you have damien and dick coming up at the same time dick's like well-seasoned robin at this point and then damien comes up and he's just like hey why are you fucking hanging out with my dad like this 
and then have Damien get killed and brought back in the Lazarus pit. You just get rid of Jason Todd altogether because lose, his character sucks. I used to really like Tim Drake, but I could lose Tim as yeah. well. Tim used to be really well written in the early 2000s. Yeah, like pre, his character was pre New 52. Tim Drake was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're like, we got to yeah. have all four Robins still. It's like, why? You're, no, you're resetting that. to five years after everything starts. Like, that was the new 52 was like where this starts is five years after superman makes himself known and so superheroes are still pretty new but we still need all this stuff to have happened but like you set the limit of five years so he's had four robins and had a kid it he had the kid early enough before he was even batman yeah where the fuck this doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) this was before he was locked in the cage or whatever the fuck Bane comes from. Stupid asshole. Uh, Bane's way better than the comics. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, Bane's really good in Batman right now. But Okay. All right. That's good. Well, I guess that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, there aren't any questions on the subreddit because I forgot to post the thread. Uh, RealNerdHours.com for all the social media information. Where can people find you, Charles? You can find me at the Charles one on Twitter. I'm not really using it, but you can find me there. Uh, follow me at the Charles time on Instagram. I'm trying to be more active there. I'm mostly getting tagged and stuff for all the music stuff I've been doing. Uh, I won an award recently. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. I, I saw you holding the baby trophy. Yeah. That's an I, interesting uh, award to win. Well, I did. That was a, that was a separate thing. That was more of a solo project, uh, by, well, it was a duo <laughs> and I'm not directly involved, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, catch me on Instagram and, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, the Charles Time O one on both. Uh, the Charles. Uh, the Charles Time. Just the Charles Time on Instagram. Uh, the Charles Zero One on Twitter. Uh, keep an eye out for. Uh, give it to me straight. It's coming back. I've scheduled some interviews already. Hooray! You all can right, find cool. that at brainmotel.com or .net. Excellent. That's all I got. Okay. Perfect. Uh, well, support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash real nerd hours. Overlord Dean, I see you. Thanks for the support. Uh, he's a new patron as of today. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll uh, see you next Thursday. Bye. <laughs>